0: This is the London Live podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL.
1: If you had lunch 35 minutes ago, you probably had a good 25 minutes of digestion. That's good. Try not to lie down, right? We don't want to lie down and it's tough for digestion want to be up and limber, or at least up in a seated position? Yesterday, we had an announcement from the province regarding education. We've had almost 24 hours to digest that, so let's dig into it right now. The Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board, Mark Fisher, joins us. Director Fisher, how are you? Director Fisher, can you hear us okay?
2: Hi, Mike. How are you doing? You just hey. uh, cut out for a second there.
1: My apologies. Glad to have you back. Well, we now know that everything is going to be done online for the rest of this year, and we've heard that education is going to be reimagined for September. In your mind, what does the reimagination contain and entail?
2: I think we're planning for any and all possibilities, so I think we need to be prepared that we could have uh, smaller class sizes potentially, we could have physical distancing restrictions, we could be looking at alternate day attendance, we could be looking at a hybrid model where we're doing some things digitally and some things face-to-face. We just need to be prepared to pivot at a moment's notice and uh, make sure we keep kids safe and continue high-quality learning.
1: It is interesting to think how you might shrink down classrooms. It seems there have been so many ideas, whether it's allowing high school students to learn online and turning high schools into elementary schools. That was pitched a little while ago, just kind of out and into the old stratosphere. I don't know exactly what you guys are dealing with, but like you say, everything is on the table. When do kind of the decisions have to be made?
2: So we're expecting direction and guidance from the Ministry of Education, Sick Kids Hospital, and the, the Provincial Health Unit uh, middle to end of June. That will kind of give us the parameters, uh, kind of like the rules of engagement. And when we get those rules of engagement, then we're prepared to, to move forward with planning over the summer for any eventuality, Mike.
1: Mark Fisher joining us, Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board. Let's break it down elementary and secondary for a moment. The challenges that would exist in an elementary setting, would they be greater than those in a secondary setting or are both kind of presenting their own?
2: Well, in theory, the challenges in elementary should be a little more difficult. Like Think about uh, physical distancing requirements for three- and four-year-olds. So, That's not a natural thing for them to understand, so there's definitely going to have to be some conditioning. Uh, Then again, when we're at secondary, kids, you know, uh, in theory would know to do that better. It's just a a matter of uh, kind of monitoring and making sure people are, are keeping their distance.
1: In terms of education for elementary school students, how are things going right now?
2: I think things are going really well, all things considered. Like, let's take a look at what we've accomplished. We've really repurposed an entire way of doing business that's existed for over 100 years. We've done that in a matter of weeks while following uh, health guidelines. Like, Mike, if we were going to do this in a different time, this would take years of consultation and planning. And so all when you factor that in, I'm uh, amazed at how well... Our parents have adapted how well our students have engaged and how well our teachers have transitioned from, uh, their way of doing their job that they've known only in one way and now they're doing it completely differently.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point. Let's talk about teachers for a moment because it's almost like they've been driving a car, sitting in the driver's seat, hanging onto the steering wheel, and now someone has said to them, oh, now you're going to drive the car and it's going to go the same speed and you have to do the same things, but you're going to be sitting in the trunk. So how are <laughs> they doing through all of this?
2: You know, they've done remarkably well. Uh, so really, as like you said, like think about being trained for one way of doing something, then doing that for years and years and being very proficient at that, and then all of a sudden at a moment's notice, the, the rules of engagement have changed, and you have to do something completely differently. So we have provided a ton of training on these digital platforms, and we're seeing some real remarkable innovation for teachers, and teachers are reaching out to students through phone calls and through emails and through time interaction on these platforms, videos, All kinds of exciting things. So nothing actually really replaces that face-to-face, that social contact, but we're doing the best we can with the conditions that we're in.
1: As we head along here, do you feel that students are going to be able to get all the material that they need to complete whatever grade they happen to be in, whether it's elementary or secondary?
2: Yeah, we're following this do no harm philosophy, trying to lower the stakes and the pressure for students so that really everything that they do and have done from March 13th to the end of June is to their benefit. We're asking our teachers to really focus on assessments or take a look at the work that's provided, give meaningful feedback and give students an opportunity to apply that feedback to improve their learning. And one of the things we're committed to in the fall, when we get back to more normality, not full normality, but more, is that we're going to do a lot of kind of assessment of students to see which levels they're working at to make sure that we can customize their program and fill in any gaps. And we've got a lot of summer school offerings, too, for parents and students that are interested that will help gap fill.
1: We're talking right now with Mark Fisher, the Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board. Mark, one final thing and that is at the secondary level, students handing in their work, keeping up, being motivated, that sort of thing, you know, the idea that marks can't go down. I know that that's circulated around a lot of teenage minds and it's been there where whoo, that's uh, that's kind of a nice little feature. Is is that a feature that you think was something that uh, that maybe if you had to do it again You'd still employ?
2: Actually, Mike, I would employ that. I know there's been a little bit of mild controversy about that. But think about these students. Think about a student in grade 12 that in their graduating year, all of these things that have been taken away from them, I don't want an added burden that to think that they'll be punished because the world is going through a global pandemic. I want them to focus on their own well-being. I want them to learn for the sake of learning, and I want them to have an opportunity to demonstrate at a higher level. And I am committed to making sure that we give our students what they need to be successful.
1: Well, I know you've probably got an awful lot of meetings and an awful lot of planning and an awful lot of everything between now and when we do get the reimagination of education. But, Mark, again, congratulations for what has been done because you're exactly right. This would have taken years. It's been done in months. It's being carried out, and uh, I think that's one of the real positives of a lot of negatives that we're going through right now.
2: Well, I appreciate the feedback, Mike, and I'm happy to come on any Thanks, Mark. You have a good
1: day. Keep safe. That is Mark Fisher, who is the director of the Thames Valley District School Board. And it really, that would have been, you know, whether it's months, years, it would have taken a ton of time. And we basically said, here's a couple weeks. And it is like that. Yeah, you're driving the car from the driver's seat. Now get in the trunk. That's not a thing that you're supposed to do. That's a complete metaphor. Don't ever drive your car from the trunk. Never. No, no. But that's what it's like. You know, it's like someone has closed the trunk, so you can't see. You cannot see any of your students in, you know, maybe you've got a little peephole and you can catch sight of one of them every once in a while in in a quick little FaceTime chat or a nice little video messenger chat, but that's it. You know, it's been cut off completely, and yet you're trying to maneuver them, in some cases, through some very challenging material. Try teaching grade 12 physics remotely. Hmm. Uh, no thanks, but it's being done and it's being done well. We are going to talk Bundesliga soccer in just a minute. Did get another piece of information on transit, and that is the fact that Windsor completely shut down their transit, and so you know there, there's no good answer for this because. It is a difficult situation to fit within the parameters of COVID-19. Public transit is incredibly difficult to deal with. So you shut it down. You leave people without their only means of transportation to get anywhere because a lot of people don't live that close to a grocery store or to their job or to the hospital. So you take that away completely. But then, if you continue to provide it, how do you provide it safely? And it has been a massive challenge and continues to be, and that's why the Ontario government is talking about it today. Something else that's a massive challenge? Sports. They don't fit well within the parameters of COVID-19. We don't have minor league baseball. We don't have minor league soccer. We don't have minor league much. I don't think there's minor league marble racing. Uh, Marble racing was big for a weekend because of a tweet, and then I think it really did go away. We've talked about online darts, where you can do something like that. I'm not sure that online soccer is a possibility. I'm not sure. There's online cycling, I know that. We're going to look at how the Bundesliga, the top German league, made it through its first weekend right now with our good buddy Greg Brady. From Global News Radio six forty Toronto, Greg. How are things today?
0: Well, I can assure you, I was playing some pretty minor league tennis earlier this morning, Mike. I, uh, I I haven't lost a step, but I didn't have that many steps going to begin with. I will say that. Now,
1: are you are you playing this with a partner of any kind? Are you playing this against a wall? Well,
0: I'll say this. I, I no, it was me against the wall. A lot of blowout sets. Uh, early on in this pandemic a lot of uh, a lot of poor performances by me thank goodness the media wasn't there to ask me questions after because I know what that's like on the other side so do you but but I played with uh, no I played with my next door neighbor today and I was a little hesitant on the doubles there were four of us there and we were sharing two courts um, and then we decided let's go for it and each of us had three tennis balls we served only with our specific tennis balls. So, um, you know, who says men can't get organized? Four men, four married men organized 12 tennis balls. And to the best of my knowledge, over a set, none of us touched um, anybody else's tennis ball with uh, our hands, just our own three balls. So, I mean, it's outdoor air. It was beautiful, sunny, it was 8 a.m., um, I think we're all gonna have to take a, a mod take some moderate chances and be out there with our health. I feel very, very confident about the outdoor air. I wouldn't have played inside. That's the line I would have drawn. But um but yeah, and, and our team won six three. So I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even answered the phone if we bought six three today. I was glad we <laughs>
1: Well, you know what? You just described being creative, and everybody's doing things a little differently. I did not even thought of that. Everybody uses their own tennis ball, therefore you're not touching it. So does that mean if you hit your ball and it winds up going out of bounds, you have to be the one to run and chase it? I mean, tennis could turn into a very, I mean, it's already a, a really demanding sport from a fitness level. This could hit a whole new level.
0: Oh, just look at me, and you can tell how demanding it is from a fit. Come on.
1: Um, yeah,
0: I don't know, but if you hit the ball, you know, you can, you can scoop up with your, with a combination of your foot and the racket and flick the ball back to the rightful owner. So that's what we were doing. If a, if a ball, now what you're used to all the time, and anybody who's, who plays doubles will realize that, you know, you, your, your partner serves it into the net. Hopefully he doesn't do that too often or, or get a new partner. And you're used to just picking up that ball with your hand and sticking it in your pocket no we can 't do that right now. no hands, uh, no pockets, except for your own uh tennis balls so uh, i boy, this has been a really i 've been walking the tightrope uh, over these last couple of questions to make sure i don 't say something that you can play back weeks and months later and make me sound uh ridiculous but uh, but, I think I did a reasonable job but you 're right we 're all going to you know i, I haven 't been golfing yet, I know friends that have and they it's just glorious to them that they can just get away from the reality of all of this for a couple hours and feel like they're feel like they're safe. They're still distancing and feel like life was before and is gonna be again. We just don't know when.
1: Yeah, that's it. We're talking with Greg Brady from Global News Radio six forty, Toronto. I am envisioning Somebody right now running out and grabbing all kinds of rainbow dyes and making all kinds of different colors of tennis balls, so that everybody can have their own different color, and you don't have to—I don't know—number them or remember that yours was missing a, a tuft yeah. of fuzz on the side, something like that. Let's talk Bundesliga soccer because mm-hmm. we have seen the Chinese Professional Baseball League come back. We have seen baseball in South Korea come back, but this—this this is the first thing that really isn't baseball. And you could argue that baseball can be a little bit more COVID-19 friendly than perhaps soccer when two grown individuals are jumping into the air on a 50-50 ball and knocking heads. When you look at what took place in the Bundesliga this weekend, what did you see? Well,
0: yeah, two thoughts. One on the baseball, I, I I'm cautious with that one because I think about the catcher. And I think about the umpire, and I think about the exposure the catcher has, not only to, to handling the baseball pretty frequently, but nine different batters uh, coming up, you know, uh, in a given inning. But I know what you're saying. I, 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 if you're in right field or center field, it's a little more advantageous um, than where the catcher and umpire are. They've got to figure that out. And even when MLB comes back, if it can, um, they've got to figure those things out also. Yeah, I I watched a good chunk of it Saturday. Um, a couple of good clubs. Uh, Borussia Dortmund was playing Saturday. Bayern Munich's a pretty legendary team. they won the German League for a bunch of years in a row, always in the Champions League, so people probably see those matches. And um, it's it's a work in progress. It takes time getting used to watching. It wasn't like checking in on the UFC fight the, the week before or NASCAR without fans because there's there's personal interaction. And, yeah, as you said, it's a physical sport. There's a lot of heavy breathing. There's a ton of running. I mean, most players are running, you know, 11, 12K over the course of a match uh, in 90 minutes, uh, so they've determined. So um, it it's going to be a really interesting process, and, and I'm hesitant to deem it a success. But like I said, we all have to take one foot forward and, and get out there. We can't shelter in place until there's a vaccine, and we all can't run out of our houses and do everything we, you know, we did last, uh, you know, last mid-May of 2019 we simply cannot so we've got to find that balance we've got to find a line to walk and at least the measures the german league took i thought were smart substitutes were on the bench and they were in masks and they weren't sitting next to each other um you know the players didn't try not to hug there were a couple of violations of that after a specific goal um uh, you know get scored in a, in a match and it's it's meant to be a template for a lot of these european leagues and, and i think more so mike you know the you know the status, but just for our audience, the difference is it's such an important set of, of leagues to finish in Europe because there's promotion and relegation involved. And they, it's not like the NHL could shut down and say there's no more season, but everybody's back starting at, you know, zero points with zero games played. There's millions of, of pounds and euros and kroners and everything on the line for clubs that were in position to get promoted. Do you just stop the league and promote those teams and relegate the other teams? So it's, it's, there's a lot of huge business implications involved, I'd argue, more than the North American leagues.
1: Well, take a look at what happened with the Scottish Premier League, where they mm-hmm. declared Celtic champion yesterday or the day before. And that was easy, because they always win. But the team that is being regulated, the club that's being relegated, uh, they are thinking about a court challenge, Because they're they're not happy saying, hey, we didn't even get a chance to stay in this league, which means, like you said, huge dollars as opposed to going down and playing against a few guys who were at a pub a few hours ago. So it is a big difference. In terms of North American sports, are you hearing anything that makes you think anyone is any closer to making a decision?
0: Well, I have, I just have such minimal confidence, Mike. I think we've talked about it before in, in the indoor arena sports, uh, because of the studies involved. You know, the NHL, I think, has tremendous, tremendous difficulty, uh, I think to restart. There's tons of border issues, quite obviously, with with some teams having players from as many as seven, eight different nations. Are, are we opening the borders for, Um, you know, four or five Ottawa Senators, and five or six Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know. I'm not saying that would be wrong. A lot of people wouldn't like the idea that they're jumping in line. And then there's everything I described in the Bundesliga uh, and and coming hopefully in the Premier League and maybe even, maybe even MLS, but you're dealing with it indoors and you're dealing with it in, in a colder atmosphere, which, again, studies are every study I look at. Uh, says this is bad news so this is and we're not even talking about fans in the rink we're not even talking about you know having you know camera people and, and some members of the media and training staff so no I, I and and as far as MLB goes I know the owners are trying to paint the players as as it being about money uh, everything I read like the players are just as concerned about their safety some of these guys are already millionaires a bunch of times over but they, you know, later in life, they want to make sure they're protected. If I'm a first-base coach and I'm 60 and I'm on a Major League Baseball team, I want to make damn sure I'm protected. So I think there's still a lot of work to do. I, I, yeah, I'd be shocked if Major League Baseball is played on July 1st. That's only six weeks away. I'd be really surprised by it.
1: Yeah, the calendar seems to be moving awfully quickly. Everybody said, hey, well, we'll we'll play into July, we'll play into August if you're talking NHL or NBA, and now, well, wait a minute, we're almost at June, and then that would only be a month, and, and they're still trying to figure this out, and now we've got even Philippe Deneau of the Montreal Canadiens said he wasn't willing to jeopardize his family. We had Colin McHugh, who is a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, yeah. say, I'd like an opt-out option on this, and you wonder, those are the guys who've spoken publicly, you wonder how many guys do feel like that, but they haven't spoken publicly about it yet.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and again, remember sports are very – NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts. I think they've got more of a shot. I, I do. I know the, the physical premise of the sport, but you only got to play the 16 games, maybe even 12, maybe even 14. And, and as we've talked about, Mike, they might push – the NFL can afford to push that schedule back. They can start playing games in December – and play the Super Bowl in late April. They could play the Super Bowl Easter weekend, and none of us would blink, and we'd be maybe closer to a vaccine at the very minimum, at the absolute minimum. We'd be closer to at least guaranteeing safety because of testing and contact tracing. So the NFL's got a clock they can sort of run out. I, I get the hustle of the NBA and NHL. There's millions of dollars on the line, but I, I, don't, I don't think they're any closer to, to getting going than they were three or four weeks ago, even if players are going into facilities now.
1: Greg, thanks so much for the time. I know you probably have some stretching to do, or at least uh-huh. one media interview after a 6-3 yeah. doubles win. So we'll let you get to that, but we we really appreciate you taking some time. Hey,
0: next us. time we talk, we'll talk about whether OHL teams that are bad should get relegated down to it. Many of the ones that I had to broadcast uh, against your <laughs> London Knights uh, probably should have been relegated a couple of those
1: seasons. Hey, today would be travel day to the Memorial Cup. This was the day for anybody to head to Kelowna who had qualified to be there. And the planes would be in the air. They always fly at about 11. So the planes would be in the air right now from the Quebec League and the Ontario Hockey League. But no planes are in the air this year, unfortunately.
0: Well, you would know the Memorial Cup travel schedule. I, I myself would not, Mike. See, that's how that's worked out for me in my uh, in my play-by-play career. Okay? You don't have to run We'll get you in. there
1: someday. We'll get you there someday. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. That's Greg Brady from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The governor of Michigan has declared a state of emergency in Midland County. Now, that might not sound all that out of the question, given that we're in a pandemic right now. Well, we've had a lot of states of emergency declared. But this has nothing to do with the fight against COVID-19, nothing to do with the pandemic, and everything to do with the fact that more than 10,000 people in mid-Michigan have been told to leave their homes. Dams have been breached. Dams have failed, and water has come over some of those dams and has flooded areas. And so now, instead of staying home, which we're all told to do, We have people who are being told to leave their homes, to evacuate. Where do you go? What do you do? And... What is this like? Joining us right now is Joey Botano who could very easily be on a plane to Kelowna, British Columbia. Joey is the voice of the Saginaw spirit, and they had as good a chance as anybody of making it to the Memorial Cup this year. But now, Joey, we're not talking sports. We're not talking hockey. We're talking flooding. Can you tell us what the latest is in your area?
3: Yeah, Mike, first of all, great to hear your voice again. Uh, unfortunately, under these circumstances, but uh, yeah, hopefully everything's going well with you and you're staying safe. But yeah, we, myself and my girlfriend, we actually left our home last night. Uh, you know, we we were, we got some information at around 11 o'clock uh, last night when the, the governor spoke at that point. Uh, we live about a half mile away from the Tittawaski River, which is actually expected to peak at 38 feet later on today um so we made a decision last night to uh to luckily we have a second floor telling whom we elevated the things that are important to us and and got the heck out of there
1: really so yeah. and when we're talking 38 feet can you put into perspective what they what they mean by that i mean are we talking it's a deep river and its depth would be 38 feet do we have yeah. a, a rushing wall of water that's coming down
3: well the thing that the, the concern is is that with the dams being breached as you mentioned the biggest concern is is that water surge uh, you know where I my where my town home is is that right now according to the maps they don't expect it to have those floodwaters but because the dams are failing you're getting surges of water in certain areas that you know aren't made to handle those types of surges and uh, I think that's what could cause at least in my area uh some extensive flooding now we're just we're inside Saginaw County uh so we were not and I don't believe anybody's being forced to evacuate I think people are being encouraged to evacuate at this point um but yeah we we just made a decision last night that that it was best to to get out of there because we're we live so close to the river and because we knew that you know it we knew that it was going to reach its peak sometime today, but we just didn't want to be surprised uh, waking up in the morning and, and, and being trapped.
1: Joey Botano with us. He is the voice of the Saginaw Spirit right now dealing not with ice but with water in mid-Michigan, and Joey and his girlfriend electing to leave their home. Here we are, Joey. We're in a pandemic. We're being told to stay home. Where have you gone? Can you take us through that experience?
3: Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Uh, I I have a place that's about uh two hours southeast of, of Saginaw that I was able to uh to come down and, and seek some refuge and it's you know, again with with all the, the COVID and, and you know, social distancing and that this is uh this is a place that, you know, hasn't been inhabited by anybody else so it's a safe place for us to, to stay, which was important to us too, you know. I mean there is there is that aspect of it too right now is you know, not only are you being asked to leave, but because you're being asked to leave, you're also being asked to kind of put yourself at risk uh, during a global pandemic. So uh, it was important to us that we had a place that we felt comfortable uh, leaving to. So it was it was obviously the tough decision to, to leave last night, but also part of that decision was, you know, we're not going to go somewhere that puts us at risk uh, health-wise as well.
1: Well, it's it's a difficult choice to make for anybody, and it's good that you made it as kind of a precaution because how many times do we hear of flooding where it does get to be too late and then you cannot leave, and everybody's facing that right now, some without many places to go or any place to go in mid-Michigan. Do you know how long this may go before you, you kind of get a feel for for how the water is distributor or when it is expected to peak
3: yeah so I, I believe the Midland county commissioner was just speaking and they're expecting that the water will reach its peak sometime this evening late this evening around nine ten o'clock eastern time um, and so you know they were just reminding the residents that you know if you have stayed and you're not experiencing flooding you're not out of the woods yet and if you are in Midland County, to you know, there there's certain parameters. Um, I believe it, it was south of M10 and west of Eastman Avenue, which is obviously in New would know where that is, but it's right around Dow Diamond where the Great Lakes Loons play, the uh, single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, if you're anywhere within those areas of Midland County, yeah, you're being encouraged, and you've been encouraged for, you know, a little under 24 hours now to, to evacuate.
1: Well, Joey, it's great to know that you are safe. Please stay safe in both things that are going on right now. And all the best to you and everybody else in mid-Michigan.
3: Thanks for the call, Mike. Take care.
1: Good to hear your voice as well. That is Joey potato He is the voice of the Saginaw Spirit. So, electing to evacuate from his own home, you put things up as high as they go, and then... You leave them behind, and you hope that they and the rest of your home are in decent shape when you come back. It's uh, it's something that no one can truly appreciate unless they have been through it. So our thoughts are with everybody right now going through not just a pandemic, but now evacuations in mid-Michigan because of flooding. You've been listening to the
0: London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.